known each other for so long. Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to say it. Inside, we both know what's been going on. We know the game, and we're gonna play it. I just wanna tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand. I just wanna tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye. Never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye. Never gonna tell a lie and hurt. Never going to keep me down. Never going to keep you down. Never going to keep us down. I think that's how we should start the conversation today because I was going over some information on delays as I was coming. And I can say that I've had some interesting conversations um, over the past few days. I completely enjoyed myself uh, just staying with family right in Louisiana and I wish I could go to every single state and just meet up with you guys maybe we should have a big event it'll be bigger than CPAC right (laughs) but um so today is April 4th and um it's Monday and I'm super late and I thought that we would start by kind of thinking of what is the end goal Just saying like the end goal. What end goal do we have as a people? See, one thing that we realized in 2022 is that there's no longer privacy, right? And in essence, we're no longer individuals because we have governments that wish to provide us no privacy and therefore no individuality and have already begun trying to control the way we think and what we say. And now the majority of the people of the world having said, well, you know, this is what they do. You know, they're powerful. And that was actually a conversation we had with um, a male, uh, you know, um, a gay couple in Louisiana, uh, and uh, they said they're so powerful that if you lift your head, they kill you. And I thought, well, it's kind of like the ant movie, isn't it? If, if we all stand up together at the same time, who are they going to kill first? All of us? But I guess I digress because there's so many people being killed right now to prove a point um, in some parts of the world. But anyway. But having said that, most of the people of the world are in this mindset of, you know what? Yeah, they're watching me. So you're going to watch me in the toilet. I'm going to think and say what I want. Tough noogies, right? But see, that's the thing. Somebody has the power to control all that information. And this is how they control people. And believe it or not, this power should be vested in individuals that don't have their thoughts public. 
that do not have uh, a Twitter or a Facebook that you do not know the name of kind of like the people that are saying behind all these world bank things and, you know, the European courts where they're judges with no names. Right now, if people that are controlling all this information in information, meaning everything about you, every secret desire, every fear, right? And you don't have their thoughts public because that's the way it should be because if their thoughts were public, it would be a mess, right? That's actually dictatorship. Because if the people controlling all the information don't have their thoughts, let's say, public, it is a dictatorship. And see, in this day and age... It seems that individuality depends on our privacy. People are too frightened to be individual because we have no privacy. People feel like they have to comply and just obey and do what they say because they have no privacy. And what's weird is, is that every single one of us is available to every single one of us because of technology. And so when someone um, that I, someone important that I had a conversation with said, well, what do you think the the whole meaning of, you know, just existing is then? And meaning is communication. And, and And I'll explain that. Let's go to the beginning of supposed time. People back then communicated somehow before language, right? Or did they just come to be with language in their mouth? We don't know. But how would they communicate is a question. I guess we could say they all communicated with the people that were proximal to them uh, in some shape or form. And then uh, while out hunting, they saw other people. So they created roads to communicate with those people. And then they rode horses on those roads. Then they created railways and, and airplanes and and then wires, right? And suddenly... These communications were for trade, so it was all about business, building a business network through roads and railways and airplanes and wires, right? And so, as we see in 2022, this networking across the planet, well, it's evolved. It's evolved to the point where, you know, all these things are becoming obsolete, Uh, you know, uh, airplanes and cars and trains and wires <laughs> across, you know, the nation. Railways, they're all becoming obsolete. And it seems as if we don't need to go anywhere to go to work anymore. We can um, do work from our home. Uh, we don't need to um, go out and meet with people because we can communicate with them through our phones. I mean, I can have coffee with a friend of mine uh, in another country right now, and I can watch them and, and see them and hear them right away. So... As many complain that we are being propelled into the digital era, it must be understood that um, it is all about communication and networking. And 
it is at a point where now, uh, you know, I've shown you those 3D hologram boxes where it literally looks like the person is there with you. And now with the virtual reality meetings, you can see the other person and maybe they'll have smell-o-vision. They've been talking about that for a while, right? And suddenly you won't have to be in person to see people. Nothing. You know, soon our, our you know, we'll be teleporting, right? <laughs> and we won't need railroads anymore. So, We'll collect all that steel and repurpose it, I guess. We won't need freeways anymore. And in them, we will have, you know, weeds and trees and flowers that will grow and make them disappear and change. It is um, communication. And as we were talking, you know, uh, the person said, well, you know, to, to, to have communication, we need gadgets. We need security. We need good foundations. Of us. I agree. Because it'll come to a point where we will not need devices anymore. Right? We're starting to not use devices anymore that are big and bulky. We don't need to use terminals. Uh, we can use a laptop or a phone. And... Um, People are talking about implantable devices and, you know, how you use your fingers for bone conduction now, right? You can actually wear this specific ring and then put your finger to your temple and, you know, have a conversation, right? And it seems like from the beginning of time, we've been told that Adam and Eve were created and then they made children. And ever since then, there's been this agony of need for communication and that has evolved evolved and so one person has to think if, if, if there's no need for us to travel anymore and, and use uh, the airwaves to communicate you know what if there was a time where we could just instantly um just talk i i i think of someone and i can suddenly talk to them um just remotely. And then as the gentleman was responding, well, yeah, that's where it should go. And I said, well, think of it this way. It's all about communication and interacting with people. But in the end, we can do it in the way that it gives us more pleasure and makes us feel better. Because in the end, if I know everything you're thinking and you know everything I'm thinking, then you know yourself because you know what I'm thinking. Conversation. Um, kind of escalated there because the person was actually in awe, in awe as to say, well, maybe the data collection is to better understand society so we can make it efficient. And that sounded like a, a weird thing for someone to say when we lose the humanity in the communication. And so as this person is discussing ways of amplifying communication and exponentially making it more instant and how important that is and how smart cities will help and how people can instantly do things like vote and, and, and exchange money, pay their rent. The question then circled back to, <laughs> well, okay, that sounds really, you know, like a utopia. But who controls all the information? Who controls 
the information and the access to your housing credits, to your food credits, because you're programming currency, you're programming information. So how do we ensure that that stays with us? And how do we steer clear of making these errors and giving those keys to the ultimate kingdom, which is the people, if it goes to anonymous people? And the response was artificial intelligence. And see, that is the most concerning. See, they bring it down to having some director being a computer that will assess what you are allowed to have, what status you have, the knowledge you have, the laws, the punishments, all of it, which is, uh, to me, very dangerous. Because when a computer assesses a situation, while many may say, well, we can train AI to make decisions for us, the lack that they have is the humanity behind it. Computers think in ones and zeros. Humans do not. And when you have a computer running the show, this is a big concern, especially when it refers to energy. As energy allocation would be allocated to what's most important, or allocation of water or allocation of food. Here's how I, I, I'll give an example. When you're out running, right, you can't run and do math in your head, right? Normally, you can't. And the reasons you can't is because your brain, which is a computer, automatically allocates the majority of the blood in your body to flow to your muscles because the priority at that time is for you to keep going and moving and running, right? An AI system would do the same thing. It would allocate power. It would allocate water. It would allocate food. It would allocate resources to what it considers necessary for the human race. So I had a fascinating conversation with some fascinating people. Could have sworn I sat right behind Elon Musk in this guy. I swear I did. I can recognize that voice anywhere. And maybe I was staring at him very creepily too. <laughs> he was in disguise. Anyway, so the conversation was pretty heated and left everyone with a, uh, I don't know. But what I do know to say, and everyone doesn't know when they philosophize about these ideas of advancement is how will it end or how is this going? Like someone would have to invest in this stuff for us to be able to see it happening so we can stop it or mitigate it, right? Something. And that's what we're going to talk about today because a lot of people, um, how's this? We asked, I asked, hey, let's all ask our senators and congressmen to respond to our questions about the COVID bill. And we saw, I think it was an unapologetic Christian uh, that um, in North Dakota that went to Senator Kramer and asked. And someone else wrote a letter to Chuck Grassley, who gave a very detailed explanation. Now, you won't believe this, but when reading this, 
I noticed, um, you know, the same type of businesses like Hunter Biden. Um, and I'll explain that. Um, and not only that, I realized that I had to find how the big guy, and this is where we're going to, you know, kind of take it. Through this, I found where the other big guy <laughs> has his money. So weird. Um, there's actually a company uh, named after Obama. And so, and it's overseas and it has to do with um, climate sustainment or energy. See, this is the guys that they are using to fund these things, I guess, uh, while enriching themselves. And we'll talk about it and I'll show it to you. Now, speaking of technology, before we get into those details, um, <laughs> I had the laptop and I went around New Orleans um, by the French Quarter and kind of asked people, hey, you want to take a look at the laptop? Like it's right here. Kind of the same thing I did in Times Square over a year ago. And um, you'll be surprised that a lot of people are like, yeah, well, you know, I don't deal with politics. That was the constant response. And I said, well, so politics doesn't affect you, doesn't affect your pocket, your gas prices, your food prices. Well, you know, I don't do that stuff. And that's exactly why we're in this position today. Because people tend to do that. Now, there was a couple <laughs> where the husband actually wanted to see, but the wife did not. The wife was like, you're all in my speech showing me something I don't want, which I wasn't. I was like, no, I asked you if you want to see it. You said no, and I moved away. Then she came in my space. She was like, well, we don't care about this. It's all, I don't even remember what she was saying, but the husband was interested. And so that was fascinating. Speaking of Hunter Biden's laptop, obviously I met with uh, the governor of Arkansas, had a great conversation, and I had a better conversation with the with the governor's wife. You know, the wives tell you a lot more about what's going on. And the funny thing is, I spotted that the governor's wife was talking to someone in the Biden administration. So as we were there and she started talking to her, I was like, you know, yeah, I, I, we were just talking and they were talking about Biden's whatever. And I said, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame that, you know, all this stuff is coming out about Hunter because it's all about hookers and, and drug addiction. And that's so hard and it's painful. I mean, he did, of course, commit crimes and there are, you know, crimes against children in his, in his computer. But I have the computer with me actually right now. It's sanitized, doesn't have any of those crimes. It has a few naked pictures, um, hidden away, uh, in specific photo albums and, you know, uh, what is it called? Photo booth, right? But other than that, the most, uh, you know, damning concern is how this links back to the Obama administration, how they all kind of just enrich themselves. This is a national security concern. Now, the Biden administration staffer from the White House hears me saying this um, and not. She's like, I agree. They shouldn't do this. And I said, but it's national security concerns. And this is a problem. And so... The funny thing is, is that uh, there was no, um, how do I say, um, pushback. Instead, um, she was interested in hearing about what 
the national security concerns were. And I offered to, to showcase that. Do you want to see it? And uh, my flight was boarding, uh, you know, <laughs> in a bit, but I was like, you know, I'll just be the last person on. I don't care. Um, and she panicked. She's like, you really have it? I said, yes. And so, uh, she finished up and ran off when I reached over to my suitcase, not to get the the little rolling suit, not to get the laptop, but just to get my hand cream. And then the governor's wife was like, you know, she's with the Biden admin. I said, yeah, that's exactly why I said, let me pull it out. And so we had a nice conversation that was off the record. So I'm not going to share, but I can say that, you know, a lot of things aren't what they seem uh, in regards to uh, how things are evolving. Right. But a lot of things are that we're missing. While they're having us focus on Ukraine, 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 there's a lot more going on. Like, uh, for example, Truth Social, for some reason, um, the tech chief, Josh Adams, and the guy who did product development, Billy Boozer, they both resigned from Truth Social in less than a year. So apparently Josh was the brains behind Truth Social's tech. A boozer was a product chief running management across the technology and developing teams. He is probably responsible of make, for making it Ollie social <laughs> and uh, how to resign. You know, you can't make it Ollie social. People don't want that. Um, people don't want to be part of that. And I guess um, that's a, uh, that's a, uh, evident. Now, that has happened. <laughs> that has happened. And that happened today, actually. I don't know how many people are reporting on it. Um, you know, they're all leaving because, you know, people aren't getting on. You know, that's not it. Um, they're filtering out the, you know, the people that shouldn't be there. And um, uh, it's a good thing. Change is, is good. Uh, when you get trim the fat <laughs> that has destroyed uh, your venture. Now, um, moving along on that, a lot of things are really interesting uh, that have been happening. Uh, there is a um, a new bill to um, allow infanticide. This comes on the heels of finding um, multiple infants uh, dead. Uh, after birth in Washington, D.C. And uh, that is actually very concerning uh, to me, and it should be for many people. Um, there is, oh my gosh, where do I start? Uh, we had um, uh, discussions into if the United States can actually kill prisoners kindly. Um there are a lot of cases that are coming to the podium and um, lethal injection is becoming uh, more difficult for states um, across the nation uh, for the legal push for executions uh, that comport with the Eighth Amendment. And this means that there may be a resurrection of methods such as firing squads, electric chairs, and gas chambers. Um which is really interesting that um, now it'll be up to the states to decide if um, they want to kill their prisoners and how. And so if you kill someone with intravenous poisoning, um, 
is questioned, is it considered cruel and unusual punishment? And that's an open question. So this February uh, in Oklahoma, there was um, a case called Glossop versus Chandler. And it was um, filed about eight or nine years ago on behalf, on behalf of death row inmates that wanted to prove that lethal injection of... Um, I think it's um, Vicorium bromide and uh, my my dazolam, um, and potassium uh, violates the Eighth Amendment for cruel and unusual punishment um, because uh, the medication like my dazolam uh, is a sedative, but it doesn't have anesthetic, um, so it results in slow and painful death for those that get it. And so this is being discussed and states will now be able to resurrect more swift methods of uh, killing prisoners, uh, such as firing squads and, um, you know, electric chairs and and whatnot. Uh, and speaking of death, Oregon has now expanded its right to suicide um, to all people. You don't have to be a resident of Oregon to go there and kill yourself, um, assisted, of course, by a doctor, right? This is happening. And speaking of death, right, again, um, in Nigeria, we have Christians being killed constantly, you know, uh, between, um, in 2020, between 2020 and 2021, Three and a half thousand people were killed just for being Christians. And now, between 2021 and now, as far as September 2021 to today, we have 4,650,000 Nigerian Christians killed. It's, it's, it's going, it's, it's getting a little bit weird, right? It's getting a little bit weird with all this death and these questions on death. Um, abortion pill uh, is now finding itself on the legal floors. It's just, um, it's uh, pretty interesting. The rhetoric today of who, what, when, where. We had the Pope go on an apology tour, rallying up the indigenous people of Canada, wanting reparations too. It's just, you know, uh, Barr came out and said, hey, you know, we need religious freedom. You know, that's the real issue that we have here um, in regards to rights. Not what you guys are saying. So Bill Barr actually made that statement, which is interesting. Um you know, the fact that Ed Mench, uh, Mechman, right, he's got new bills put out to actually um, legalize infanticide. And, you know, I have an article on my website talking about Kermit Gosnell, which um, he went to jail because he was strangling newborns or leaving them to die on a shelf, um, which is perfectly legal, apparently, in California and Maryland. So this is pretty cruel and disgusting. I'd love you guys to see Kermit uh, Gosnell's, uh, the report I did on him. Uh, you know, like I said, people don't read anymore. And it's very important you educate yourself on the atrocities of how it is that this baby comes into life. And then, you know, um, you know, it's just left on the shelf to die, basically. Uh, and that is an actual fact. And this is coming back. Now, um, I just wanted to say I can't see any of the chat on Rumble. I 
literally had to close my screen because I'm not seeing anything. So if you guys are writing anything, I can't see it. Um, in other news, we have that, you know, Biden is panicking now. He's in real panic to the point where, you know, he actually seized a yacht in Spain. So Spain allowed the U.S. to seize a yacht in Spain um, of a Russian oligarch. So this is ramping up. And, you know, it reminds me of the 1800s. You know, they do it again every 200 years, every 200 years. And, you know, the guy, the only thing is he's an oligarch. So now this guy is being caught in the middle and he's being, you know, his 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 ship has been seized. And apparently there's a DOJ um, indictment uh, for this guy, which is quite interesting. Um it was from 2018. It's about tax evasion. He's a, a U.S. and Russian citizen. Um, his assets have been frozen uh, and U.S. companies are forbidden from doing business with him or any of his entities, uh, which is pretty weird, right? So the U.S. Treasury also found a $90 million private jet owned by him and marked it as block property. They, they named it themselves. And now they've confiscated his yacht, right, and um, his private aircraft of $180 million. So they're taking everything because in 2018, the 64-year-old was among oligarchs sanctioned by the U.S. for reason, including Russia's invasion of Crimea in 2014 with assets totaling between $1.5 billion and $2 billion of that uh, and an additional $2 billion that are actually frozen. So there is a lot going on around the world that just um, that is just horrific. You know, they're they're killing people in Ukraine to make a point. It is the most insane thing. No, it isn't. It's happened before. So I take that back. Now, uh, before I get into where our tax dollars go, I think it's important that we just look at what's in the news regarding Hunter and then, um, move into that because that is important. Tomorrow we'll break down President Trump's speech together. But for now, I think this is the most important so we can see where we lie and see what um, they are talking about. House Republicans are demanding answers answers from from big tech. They want to know to whom those executives were talking when they decided to suppress the story. More importantly, who are they listening to? Jim Jordan. Ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee is leading the charge. Congressman Jordan, first of all, tell me about that part of it. And I have said on this very program that there is a strong connection between some of these media outlets and some of the big tech giants. Well, we, we all know they colluded uh, 18 months ago to keep this information from the American people in the run up to our, mar- our most important election, the presidential election. You had you had legacy media, you had big tech, you had the Democrat Party. And of course, maybe most importantly, you had 51 former intel officials sign the letter that said this has all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. All that tr- proved to be false. I think actually Mike made a great point. The, 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 the big question I think right now, Harris, is why are the mainstream press, why are they talking about this now? I mean, remember last week, Wednesday of last week, the Washington Post did two long stories, one at 11, one at 11.04. Two eight-page stories, four minutes apart about the Hunter Biden laptop being real. 
why all of a sudden is there fo th this focus on now that what we all knew back then was the truth that the laptop was real the eyewitnesses were real the the emails were all real the only thing fake back then was the news so why all of a sudden are they coming clean that's i think a key question that we need to get the answer to well, the timing of it, you know, just on the heels of the announcement of, of another investigation into him. And what do you think of Mark Levin, our, our Fox News host, saying this? We need a federal special counsel. Do we? Yeah, I think we probably do. Uh, I mean, remember, Joe Biden said in the debate in the presidential election that my son made no money from companies with ties to China. Well, there are 4.8 million reasons why that is wrong. He made $4.8 million. Some of that went to his uncle. Who knows if 10% went to the big guy, went to Joe Biden, as that now somewhat famous email that, that was uncovered uh, a year and a half ago. So I do think this requires a special kind of focus. Uh, we'll see if that's where we can, uh, we can go, if in fact the American people uh, put us um, put us in the majority, or maybe the Justice Department will do that now. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I'm curious about all these things. Why the focus now? Should there be a special counsel? What is really? Some people have speculated that there's an there's some indictments coming. I don't know if that's the case. But well, that would, I guess, maybe explain why there's such a focus from the mainstream press on this story today. It, potentially indictments, potentially more information that's more damning uh, than, you know, what's already been reported out there. And when you hear the White House say, well, it's up to the DOJ to figure out whether or not a law was broken or any laws were broken. The president doesn't believe that there were. The bigger picture in all of this is it's really not even about the Bidens. Like, let's just set them as, as you know, just a bunch of people who are being looked at right now. And let's get to the crux of who the man at the center is. It's about the president, whether or not he was compromised. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, again, that the email that that Tony Bobolinsky, the eyewitness who was a part of part of this arrangement early on, uh, the email 10 percent for the big guy, he says that refers to, you know, then Vice President Joe Biden or former Vice President Joe Biden, now President Biden. Uh, that to me is the concern. I think that's a concern Senator Grassley was raising. That's probably the concern I think America, the American people had. Mm -hmm. And again, that was kept from us, kept from we the people, the electorate in the run up to our uh, most important election, the election for president of the United States, commander in chief of the United States. Right. And as I said, it wouldn't matter who the president is. At this point, it is President right. Biden. And he has said a certain thing. And now they have to see if that certain thing is true. Fox News contributor Michael Goodwin writes this in the New York Post. Joe Biden flying too close to the sun. He makes this point. If Hunter is indicted, it's hard to see how his father's presidency survives. That's because any indictment of the son, no matter how carefully drawn, will inevitably implicate the father. Congressman Jordan, your take. Well, we'll have to see what's coming from the Justice Department. Uh, you saw that the four point the, in the story last week in the post, the four point eight million dollars, a bunch of that money went to uh, went to Hunter Biden's uncle, uh, James Biden. So yes. and th there was all this talk about this, this connection, this this the entire family involved. So we'll just have to see. Uh, and we'll have to see what the Justice Department comes forward with. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the reason. If there's indictments coming, I don't know if that's the reason why you saw the. Mm So Rumble has been acting funny. I noticed um, chat isn't working at all. Nobody can talk to each other, which is really weird. Um, I've shot them off an email. I can't really see what's going on on my screen either. And that happened live. Uh -huh. So that was really weird. I do not know what to say on that. So huh? I guess it was the title. Nobody wants me talking about Obama's company. That's so weird but we should.
we should. And But before we do that, I want you guys to listen to what Kudlow had to say about Elon Musk purchasing a very, very, very large interest in Twitter, pretty much essentially almost buying it. And on Twitter, Elon Musk asked, do you think that Twitter upholds its policies correctly? Because he doesn't feel that uh, censorship is right, of course. Now, I've never come on the record to say exactly uh, um, what my opinion is of Elon other than I think he's a genius. And I'll keep it at that. But take a listen. Welcome to Cudlow. I'm Larry Cudlow. So, Elon Musk to the rescue, part three. Part one, last December, Mr. Musk, speaking of Build Back Better, said, and I quote, I would just can this whole bill. It might be better if the bill doesn't pass because we spend so much money, you know. It's like the federal budget deficit is insane. End quote. Good for him. That was part one. In other words, he helped save America and he helped kill the bill. And I've said at the time and say it again. Thank you, Elon. Now, more recently, a month ago, he said, quote again, hate to say it, but we need to increase oil and gas output immediately. Thank you again, Elon, because after all, Elon's in the electric vehicle business and the battery business. But common sense, he wants more oil and gas. Very good. And then part number three, we learned today about Elon to the free speech rescue by staking out a 9% investment in Twitter, which will make him the largest shareholder, which at least theoretically means he can kick Twitter's free speech suppressing left wing butt. We learned today the Twitter share purchase began March 14th. On March 25th, Musk posted a poll on Twitter saying free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? Well, 74% said no. Less than 30% said yes. And then the day after he commented saying, Twitter failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. And he got that totally right. I mean, he got that totally right. Mr. Musk is essentially putting his own money where his mouth is. And that is a wonderful thing indeed. Mr. Musk apparently bought 73.5 million shares, now worth approximately $3.7 billion. Twitter shares rose 28% today on the news by midday, representing roughly an $800 million gain from Friday. I'm sure Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are just licking their chops to tax Mr. Musk's unrealized capital gains. Right. These numbers are approximations. We're doing reports here, but I'm sure it's good enough for government, good enough for TV work. Perhaps the most important point, Mr. Musk has sent one gigantic global shot across the bow against the unrepenting left-wing media, quote, beware the cavalry is coming. That's my quote. That's what I think he has done. He's telling them, beware, the cavalry is coming. And let me just say, while I've had some dealings with Mr. Musk in the government, I have no idea if he's a Republican or a Democrat or has any party affiliation. 